Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and today we are breaking down everything you need to know to play Day Fantasy for this week's RBC Heritage. And to join me, as we do every single week, it's Greg Ducharme. What up, Greg? Man, what a week we had last week. I'm I'm still all fired up. I'm excited. We're, we're getting right into it again. RBC Heritage coming up, another loaded field. Uh, I'm I'm fired up. There is no time to wait. Golf stops for no man. We are going every week <laughs> from now until our eyes fall out. I don't know, man, but it's going to be a lot of fun. This week, Greg, RBC Heritage at Harbor Town in Hilton Head. On Hilton Head or in Hilton Head? I guess on Hilton Head. It's an island, right? It is an island. Also, I believe a town. So I think both work. It's like you, you have to say on Maui. You can't say you're in Maui. You're on Maui. So Is that what you say? Well, Oh, okay. you definitely say that. Yes. Yeah, okay. So maybe um, it's on. Uh, we're, we're on Hilton Head. We're on Hilton Head this week. And I would argue, Greg, this is probably the most unique course on tour. Am I right or wrong about that? In many instances, you're right. Uh, it, it is a course that definitely stands out. We recognize it for many things. We recognize the lighthouse. We recognize the 18th hole. Uh, it's also a, a course where a lot there's a there seems to be a certain type of winner. It doesn't seem to be a guy a, a long hitter that wins very often here. And I'm really looking forward to getting your take on why that is. Some people think that that's because of the, the golf course. Some people think it's because of the field that they typically draw. So I, I'm really looking forward to getting into that. But yes, a unique golf course, you have to put the ball in position off the tee. It's a place where even in some of the fairways out there, you can hit it into the fairway and be blocked out, headed into the green, yep. tiny greens, tiny fairways, uh, Pete Dye golf course. It's scorable in some ways. And then it's very much Pete Dye in some other ways. But it's highly regarded as one of Pete Dye's best designs. Yes, and highly regarded. A lot of players like this because everyone feels like they have a shot for yeah. the most part. Because It is very popular among players. Very, very popular. Now, the, the big thing that we have for this week, and actually it's, it's very similar to kind of Colonial off the tee. I think, I think Harbortown is more of a kind of an extreme version of Colonial because at Colonial, we saw Bryson do it. You can kind of cut the corners on a lot of these holes, RBC heritage, massive uh, or Harbor town, massively tree lined fairways. You mentioned it, Greg, even if you were on the wrong side of the fairway, you could be blocked out to a certain pin position. So you have to be incredibly accurate off the tee here. And um, when I run, so I, I, I'll jump into this. I, I run this regression model on my site, Greg, and it, and, and I look at what stats are important at what courses and driving accuracy, the number one most important stat here at Harbortown and fourth amongst all other PGA Tour 
courses. So what that means is there's only three other courses on tour where driving accuracy is more is more important, which is why you've seen winners like CT Pan, Satoshi Kodaira, and Wes Bryan. The interesting, yeah, man. Um, so when you run your model, do you are you looking at how many guys hit fairways during the week or how many guys hit fairways for the entirety of the year? I'm so happy you asked that because this is literally my soapbox issue. When yeah. I see other people who I, I hate it when I see stats that are like, oh, the average winner here gains four strokes putting. Yeah, no kidding. Like the guy who right. puts the best is going to win, of course. Or like the guy who led the field in strokes gained approach one, of course he did. Like that's how it works. So what I do is I use their season, so their stats for the entire season, basically build profiles of golfers. So if you are an accurate driver of the golf ball for the year and you had success at Heritage and you had success at Colonial and you had success somewhere else, that goes into it. So it does not look at it reactively. It looks at it proactively. Which I think is definitely the best way to do it. I don't know if it's an easy thing to do, <laughs> but you know, you're looking for guys this week who are going to hit a lot of fairways. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they are leading the PGA tour and driving accuracy. Because another thing, Rick, is they're not necessarily hitting a lot of drivers. I think there's going to be far fewer drivers off the tee this week than there were even last week. I, I don't know what, what your thoughts are on this, but I, I look at this course as even more difficult to hit drivers than colonial. Even some of these options where at colonial guys were taking it over corners. Yep. And they may they may put my words in my mouth here this week, but I don't see that happening this week. I, I think it's a little too tight. I think it's a little too penal. I think you're going to see a lot more irons off the tee this week. Yeah, no, I, I think you're dead on. I mean, we might see Bryson try this. We might see Bryson try to take it over the corners, but that's not the way to play this. And there are actually kind of forced... Uh, they're forced landing spots. They're, I don't want to call them layups, but I guess they're layups, but they're like essentially forced landing spots, which the next great most, way to say, it. yeah, the next most important stat in my model is driving distance. But I want to clarify that that is not because these guys are hitting driver off the tee and just bombing it. It is because all of these guys are being clumped into the same hitting areas out of the fairways. And the guys that are hitting wedges in instead of eight irons are doing better. So it's, it's, it's weird. You have to kind of like readjust your mindset of how this is going to work because hitting the fairway is incredibly important, but then also you're going to get, and we'll, you know, we'll see the shot link data as the week goes like, all of the shots are going to come from the same spot in the fairway. It's a, it's a great point. And it, it's always an advantage to have higher club head speed. It, I think we talked about this a little bit yesterday, right? Well, Bryson has an advantage, not just because he's, uh, he's hit, hitting it closer to the hole. His, his greens regulation is improving just because he's hitting it closer to the hole. So he's able to spend some time working on his short game and his wedge game because uh, his approach game has gotten easier just because he's increased his club head speed. Um, so I, I do think long hitters will there. There's a couple guys that I have in mind who speak exactly to what you're saying there. Um, but uh, another thing that I'm looking at aside from just statistics this week is who is going to be patient enough. Who's going to be smart enough to navigate their way around this golf course uh, and, and understand when to take advantage, understand when to, kind of calm down, take a back seat, who doesn't need to rely on hitting drivers as far as they can, who can kind of 
position their ball and play. I mean, you got to golf your ball. It's a very yeah. common saying, right? It's all about strategy here this week. So uh, a lot of interesting things to look at. Navigate is a really good word. I like that for yeah. this week. Now, we here at the First Cut Pod, we're making a big investment in golf moving forward. So if you like what you hear, uh, go and leave us a rating and review. I know it sounds corny. That is the currency that we run with. That is the opportunity for us to tell our bosses, hey, we need more of this. We need to continue to do fun things and innovate. It takes about 10 seconds. I know you're listening to the pod right now. I'll wait. Okay, you're probably done recording your your uh, your review by now, but it helps us go a long way. And also, if you'd like to win $1,000, which Greg, I know you do, my friends, right? You want 1000 bucks. Yeah, I'd I love that. You can do that without even putting up any of your own cash at stake because that is where CBS Sports has you covered with our very own golf prop game available at cbssports.com slash golf props. That again is cbssports.com slash golf props. And here's the kicker, Greg. I make all the questions. I make them. I submit them three, you know, three, three early so we can promote seven later. You get them all in. They're really well thought out and we go through them uh, to kind of give you an edge. And here's the big one, Greg. It's not one round. It's not two rounds. It's not three rounds. It's four rounds, my friend. You are getting an opportunity to win $1,000 after every single round. Obviously, terms and conditions apply. And do not forget to tune in to Wednesday's pod so that we can uh, have some more inside information for you. Okay, DFS this week, Greg. A lot of guys in this field who have never played here before or who have not played here in like 10 years, AKA Rory McElroy. We've discussed the unique aspect of Harbor town. How the heck do we deal with guys that have no, no course history? Well, it's very uh, difficult to do, right? But you have to understand these are the best players in the world for a reason. And you have a Rory McElroy, Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, John Rahm. These guys are more than just long hitters. And I'm interested to see how the game kind of plays out. Are people going to stay away from these guys because distance doesn't matter? It's very interesting what you said about club head speed uh, or distance being an advantage, even though you're not going to hit a lot of drivers. I, I think you're right. And I, I think... Um, these players, more than being just long hitters off the tee, they are also incredibly wise players. They are very smart players, and I think it's important to note. And so, so don't write them off just because they are long. It is still an advantage, even if you're not hitting driver. Now, uh, I, how much do you put into play from last week? Like, like where do you – to me, I'll just say this to try to clear things up a little bit. This week is the hardest week to handicap even harder than last week. One, it's a golf course we're not quite as familiar with. And two, last week's results kind of carry a heavy weight. And and I'm not sure that the guy that wins last week, right, Dana Berger, he's not going to be our favorite to win this week. And he probably shouldn't be. Colin Morikawa is not going to come in second place again, you wouldn't think. So yeah. how do you kind of manage last week's? We have one week of results now. Uh, and, and we have a golf course where we don't have a lot of past history from the top guys. I think there's going to be a lot of mistakes made. So I think that a sample size of one is, as you mentioned, more difficult than a sample size of zero. And I so think bizarre, but it's and true. I think that like just because Rory and we'll, we'll just get into this, top, you know, 10K guys, uh, 11,300 Rory down to Colin Morikawa at 10,000, Justin Thomas, uh, 10.9, Bryson DeChambeau, 10.7. John Rom 105 Xander 102. Uh so like I think people will 
like not roster Rory as much as they should, even though they're getting a $500 discount on him from last week. And he had really what one bad nine on, on Sunday morning. And I think people will stay away from John Rom, who missed the cut and just kind of chalk it up to like, ah, well, I'll, I'll wait and see on him. And, and I'll roster guys like JT, I'll roster guys like Bryson or Xander or, or, or Morikawa, guys that contended. And I think that's the mistake. So I, the Rory-Rom combo are guys I, I'm targeting, Greg. And, and to put this into perspective for you, especially John Rom, John Rom last week um, misses the cut. So the, two years in a row, he misses the cut at the Charles Schwab Challenge, lost four strokes putting in two rounds. I went back through my database. I could not find a worse performance in only two rounds. Now, obviously, it's a counting stat. So he's had worse weeks where he played all four rounds, but that is a absolutely terrible showing. He gained off the tee two strokes. He was fine on approach. He was fine around the green. I'm going to jump out on a limb here and say John Rahm does not lose four strokes putting in two rounds again. Uh, I think we're starting to get to know each other a little bit early on in our relationship. We disagreed on everything. I'm, I looked at these, uh, these numbers and these values and John Rom stuck out. He jumped out at me. Uh, like I, I can't really believe it. I can't believe he's only at 10, five. He is uh, the number one play for, for me in this, on this whole board. I'm starting a lot of my lineups with John Rom Cause I think last week is an anomaly. I think he's an emotional player who gets himself fired up. Uh, all the reports that I've heard were that John Rahm was playing great golf coming into last week, had extremely high expectations. And we know how this game goes. That can be a, a very, very difficult thing to harness, especially when you're paired with the number one and the number three player in the world. When you're number two, there, there's a lot of hype around that group. So I give John Rahm a, a really, uh, I, I give him a lot of, um, I, I kind of let him down easy on last week. And I think we're going to see John Rom come back into John Rom form this week. And there's a ton of value there. Rory, on the other hand, uh, number one player in the world for a reason, as I said, I'm not sure about this course for him. Although uh, I guess I kind of say that just because of his price, right? John Rom is so much, there's such a big discount on him. Yeah. So I'm very, I'm very high on John Rom. He's definitely my favorite in this group. So Rory's played here once, but he had zero PGA tour wins at the time. So that is uh, quite a long time ago, 18 wins later, four major championships later, he's back in the field. The guy that I, I like, I love all these guys. The guy that I guess I'm most concerned about, and he breaks my brain when I think about it is, is Bryson at 10, seven. Like I, I have an un, undying love for Bryson DeChambeau. I love everything that he's doing. The fact that he kind of beat up colonial the way that he did he shouldn't have been able to. And I think it kind of even gets crazier here at Harbor town. Like he should not be able to dominate Harbor town. If he, if he does it, if he goes out and does it again, I mean, I will tip, I will just tip my cap to him. I don't know what to do. I, I, I think I'm just going to pull back my exposure on Bryson just a little bit this week and, and wait for those weeks that like, you know, you can just open it up. Right. I think you mentioned it, like having a Ferrari and, and, and not taking it off. Uh, not taking it out of the driveway is what some of these courses are, are doing. Like, but we're going to get weeks where he can just bomb at 340 and it's going to be a massive advantage. You're absolutely right. So Bryson definitely gives me concern. I said the same thing last week and I was proven wrong. So the thing I like about Bryson is he's extremely calculated. He is yeah. not, he doesn't come from a bomb and gouge mentality. He, he, calculated uh, the advantage that clubhead speed and distance would would provide him and he went and figured out how to get it 
that doesn't mean that he's just going to grip and rip every time he plays. He's not, it's not like he's John Daly. He's not going to have any problem throttling down. I, I think he's going to figure out a strategy to work his way around the golf course a little bit. So number one in scrambling last week, I think that bodes very well for him. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very, very, very curious to see how he does this week, but I'm with you. I don't think it's the best golf course for him. I'm a little bit tempered and maybe I'm just, I'm blind. I don't think what he's doing could possibly work as well as it has so far. So he's, he has blown my mind. Um, so I'm a little concerned with Bryson. The biggest concern for me, well, it's difficult to say, cause I, I think there are three players here with a very interesting story that concern me. And it's Bryson, Xander, and Morikawa. They all have one thing in common. Last week was extremely emotional uh, and kind of heartbreaking losses. How are these players going to handle near defeat, especially Xander and Morikawa. I, yeah. I, Bryson, he he had an opportunity to make a putt on 18 that would have forced the playoff. I'm not sure he knew that it was going to force a playoff when he hit the putt. And it also was a, I'd like to make putt. It wasn't a, I should make this putt. So I, I think Bryson probably leaves feeling the best out of those three players. Xander and Morikawa with really short misses gave away a great opportunity for a win. And, and I mean, they, they really kind of handed it away in, in a, just a couple of strokes, which yeah. can be hard to swallow. So I'm watching very closely for how Xander handles that emotion. I think it's a good golf course for Xander. I think he's swinging great. So I, I like him, but I just have that, that area of concern. And, and that all, it all just points to John Rahm for me. It all, all roads lead to John Rahm in this group. Okay. Well, we are looking at uh, probably the smallest $9,000 range we've ever had that I can remember. There's only four guys here. Sungjae's 9,700. Hideki back in action for the first time. He's 95. Justin Rose. Yeah, baby. 9,200. And Webb Simpson at a flat 9,000. I mean, I, we, I usually ask you for like two guys. You like two guys you don't like. There's only four guys here, Greg. So what's uh, what moves the needle the most for you? I, I mean, I like all these guys. That's yeah. the difficulty here. And I, I think when you look at, to me, there's two favorites that really stick out. And I think one of these two players has to be in your, your lineup, Sung JM and yeah. Justin Rose. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that will depend on how you create the rest of your lineup. But I'm looking at these two guys as basically, basically locks to the point where if I wasn't so confident in John Rom, I didn't think there was such good value in John Rom. I think you could start your lineup with Sung JM and maybe get Justin Rose on your team as well. And I think you could have a, a really star studded team. So uh, I'm a huge fan of those two players with Webb missing the cut last week. I'm sure he's going to play better this week. Is there room for him? I don't know. And with this pricing, I don't think you have to go ahead and start Hideki Matsuyama this week. I think we can wait and see with them. I I tend to agree. I mean, I, I, I don't know a lot of the early builds I've done. I've, I've kind of tried to get two of these guys in there. Um, I I'm probably pre, I'm probably higher on web than, than most in the industry, because I mean, the guy misses the cut. I think by, I think he missed it by one shot. I think he missed it. Mm, I'd have to go check and see what it was. Um, but he loses three and a half strokes on approach in round number one, which is like one of the worst rounds I have on file for him. He backs it up. He was excellent in round number two. He just falls short. So misses the cut. Not terrible. Uh, he goes to a place which should be a much, much better fit for him. Like the Harbortown is a Webb Simpson course. So 
I, I tend to lean there. I'll reinvest in in Rosie. I like Sungjae probably in that order. Webb, Rose, Sungjae, then Hideki. But again, yeah, I mean, I'll stuff as many of these guys in my in my lineup as I can. Yeah, and you're not wrong to do it. These these guys are really good. I, I've never seen a a, a nine thousand range like this. It's well, wild. Wait until you see the $8,000 range. But first, we are going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. And we're back. All right, Greg, as promised, this $8,000 range. Now, this is something. We, we've got a micro, little tiny... $9,000 range and a massive packed $8,000 range from defend, not defending champion, uh, reigning PGA tour winner last week's winner, uh, Daniel Berger at 8,900. Patrick Reed is in here. Jordan Spieth is in here. I mean, it goes all the way down to Terrell Hatton and Abraham answer at a flat $8,000. Now, if you want to get multiple of these guys in your lineup, you are certainly capable of doing that. I've got a couple of hot takes, but where do you, are you starting here, Greg? The guy that really sticks out to me, although this is the the difficulty in this range is that Kepka and Johnson are sitting in the eight thousand dollar range, right? Let's not forget. I mean that that stands out. They're Brooks begging Kepka. us. They're begging us to take DJ and Brooks. Yeah, and I don't think DJ is necessarily like I, I think DJ can handle this golf course. He's had some good results here in the past. I'm just worried about his form, I, and I'm worried about his motivation. I, I'm not sure it's there right now. So. I'm staying away from those guys, even though I know they're, they're just, they're, they're begging for it. Yeah. But Gary Woodland's the guy that stands out to me and he's probably a popular pick, but his game suits this golf course so well. He hits over 70% of his greens. Perfect. He hits over 65% of his fairways and he's especially talented with the stinger off the tee, the iron shot off the tee. That's going to put your ball in position. He is one of those guys with high club head speed that can plot his way around a golf course and utilize that to his advantage. He's, he's not going to be highly ranked in driving distance because he lays up off the tee a lot, almost like a, a Henrik Stenson. So I definitely, Gary Woodland stands out to me. Do you, the question I have is, do you think he's uh, going to be overplayed this week? Well, it's a good question. We are synced up for sure, Greg, because Gary Woodland is like top-notch option this week, I believe. Will he be popular? Uh, Yes, I think he will. But what we've talked about is you don't have to take a stand on one guy specifically. Just if you're going to play Gary Woodland, maybe you roster somebody else who's not going to be as popular. So yes, he will be popular, but that should not be the sole reason you avoid him. Think about this. A course that is short, has small greens, has natural landing areas, uh, and you don't have to hit driver off of. Hmm, I wonder who might have won, Not I don't familiar. know, the U.S. Open. Yeah, at Pebble Beach. How about Gary Woodland? I mean, this is, it's, this is what he does. It's just put it in position off the tee, hit it to 15 feet, and try to make as many 15-footers as you can over four days and see where you wind up on the leaderboard. He's and how good was his scrambling last week? The short oh. game was remarkable last week. It was it was really keeping him in it. So uh, Gary to me is like a, uh, and he's almost like an anchor point in your lineup. And almost start with him. Yeah. I'll give you one other guy that that I find very interesting this week. Uh, Tony Finau in this okay. group. 
And and he's another one of those guys. It was a, a very consistent, steady week last week, tied 23rd, uh, all four rounds in the 60s, which I like. Uh, it's a golf course that you wouldn't think is really suited for a Tony Finau, but he is seventh in strokes gained tee to green this year. He is 10th in strokes gained approach the green. He is sixth in strokes gained around the green. The weakness is putting. But I, I find that uh, Tony Finau at this kind of value, I, I think he's really going to have a steady week. He's one of the more consistent players out there. Um, and, and I really, I think the layoff was good for him. He was in really good form with the tied 14th at the American Express, a tied sixth at the Farmers Insurance Open, second at Waste Management, kind of lost a heartbreaker to Webb Simpson. And then a couple week starts. Genesis Invitational didn't go so well for him. Arnold Palmer didn't go so well for him. I think this was a good opportunity for him to reset. And I, I think Tony's another one of those patient long hitters who can work his way around this golf course. He's going to hit a lot more fairways this week than he normally would. Okay, I'm cool with that. Two more at the very bottom of this uh, catch my attention. I like both Terrell Hatton at $8,000 and Abraham Answer at yeah. 8000 for Hatton. It's weird because this guy's played like four events in the last eight months worldwide, uh, but he's been awesome in them. So he wins Turkish Airlines Open at the end of 2019. He plays one more event, then he has wrist surgery. So he's out like three months. He comes back at WGC Mexico, finishes sixth. Then he goes to API, wins it, and now we get the shutdown. So it's like literally like four events over eight months for this guy. We just haven't seen him. But when he plays, he plays well. WGC Mexico API, obviously two very difficult fields, deep fields, I should say. So, so he's certainly on my on my short list. Someone who I think can, I mean, he he had a three month layoff, showed up at WGC Mexico and showed out, which I'm cool with. And then answer uh, a flat eight thousand. There, there's a few tournaments a year or courses a year, I should say, that really fit answer who is a, a good driver of the ball but it's not because he does it with distance he's another one of these guys that gains strokes in all four of the major categories 12th place on his home turf at wgc mexico 14th last week i i, I like that i want a guy who i can just feel solid about for eight thousand bucks i love the answer pick and he was one of the players i was really watching this year i was expecting a huge year from him a, a rare player that i think the layoff could possibly end up hurting yeah, there was so much momentum from the President's Cup. The players, especially on the international side, uh, I mean, it seemed like every week, maybe with the exception of Nick Taylor, a President's Cup player was winning the tournament. And there were a lot of internationals winning. Yeah. And Abraham Answer, I think, was primed and ready to be the next one. Um, it just now we have this layoff and is the momentum from that kind of stolen away? I, I possibly. But. Point being, you mentioned it, positive in all four strokes gain categories. The guy's really solid all around. At a flat 8000 I think he's underpriced. $7,000 range. This is kind of interesting because, again, a lot of names here, guys that we saw pop up on the leaderboard last week. Jason Kokrak is here. There were popular guys like Scotty Scheffler is here. There's guys that are going to be popular. Kevin Kisner is here at $7,700. I want to talk about Scotty Scheffler for a second here, Greg, because he's another one of these really weird anomalies from last week. So if you go to his, he, he did make the cut, although finished T55 and as one of the highest owned uh, fantasy players that would probably, that would certainly be deemed a disappointment for him to finish T 55. But if you look at his numbers, plus two off the tee, 
almost three games on approach, and then he loses a, basically a combined six and a half around the greens and on the greens. That is not Scotty Scheffler. I mean, Scotty Scheffler is not great in those categories. He is normally like a pretty average around the green player, and he's a slight negative in putting. So we're not talking about six and a half strokes in four rounds. Here's another guy that I think, okay, you're swinging well with your full swings. That's kind of what we thought would not be as uh, hindered by rust. And then the around the green and the putting, the things that require feel, he got absolutely smoked on. I think he works on it. He has one week under his belt and he gets back to probably, I don't, I don't know what his upside is, like T12, T8, something like that. I, I think that's fair for a Scotty. I'm not sure it's a golf course he's going to get a win on. Uh, right. It doesn't seem like a Scotty Scheffler golf course, although we're just kind of learning about this guy. He's a very young player, extremely talented. We saw good results during the break from him and some kind of unofficial events. So I, I was a little surprised by Scotty's performance last week. I thought he was going to play much better. So yeah. I'm probably staying away from Scheffler this week, but I do think there's likely value there because uh, I think a lot of people are kind of were, were with me thinking he was going to have a really, really good week. He was probably a popular one and done pick and has now, you know, with, with a kind of a week an off week, I think people are going to stay away from him. So I'm probably staying away from him, but I could see where you're going with it. Um, okay. How about this one? Victor Hovland is $7,600. Now, if you look at what he did last week, basically got better every round. He went, I think he went 70, 68, 68, 66, if I remember correctly. And I'm almost positive that is correct. Um, he's now $6,700. And if you are looking for the combination of highly accurate off the tee and long enough, that is Victor Hovland. So I sorted this field, Greg, by driving accuracy. So you get the guys like Jim Furyk who hit 80% of their fairways, but like he hits it like 281 off the tee. And then you get like Brian Stewart, who I actually like. Uh, Brian Stewart, 72% of his fairways, but he hits it like 281 off the tee. The guy where you get like the biggest, you know, intersection of these two stats is Victor Hovland, who hits 67% of his fairways. He's like top 25 in this field and is the first guy to break through that 300-yard magic number. He averages about 301 yards off the tee. So he's sneaky long and very accurate and getting better every round. Yo, Greg, sign me up. It's a in, – in this time where we have this kind of young contingent – Victor Hovland was a guy I circled when I first saw the list. Love he it. he stands out to me for this golf course working really well. I love this kid. And uh, Colin Morikawa has kind of taken, and deservedly so, taken some heat off the young class. I call these guys the college kids. Because, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we, we group these three players together, Wolf, Hovland, and Morikawa. And there's still Song J.M. and Joaquin Neiman and many other young players. But they don't get grouped together. And the only thing reason is it's it's the college they were all playing college last year so these are the college kids and victor hovland is my favorite of the college kids this week i think it's a golf course that suits him very well you mentioned many of the statistics the only concern i have with him and again you're talking about a guy in the seven thousand dollar range so you right. can take a risk like this it, it's the short game uh, many of the winners here have great performances around the greens mm -hmm. when victor hovland won in uh in puerto rico <laughs> First of all, is that a curse? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, don't I hope know. not. <laughs> I hope not too. But he flubbed a 
couple chips. His exact Got- quote, Greg, I think was, I suck at chipping. I think yeah. it was his exact quote as, he, as he's like raising the trophy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And his statistics back it up, 224th in yeah. stroke gain around the green. That's pretty close to last on the, on the PGA Tour if it's not dead last. So that's a concern. I'm willing to take the risk because I, I think the world of the kid, I, I think the golf course is going to suit him well. Uh, and And I love him. Right. Next, the other the other guy, I'm going to go down $100 here. Do it. Yeah. I'm going to ride the horse. I, I mean, I'm just going to keep on riding this train. It's Joel Damon. The okay. guy just, he's just so good every week. And he's probably not a guy you want to bet to win, although this might be a golf course where he could win. He's just consistently a top 25 finisher. It happens week in and week out. He was tied 19th at Colonial this past week. He shot 58 during the break. He shot 63 in uh, in one of these mini tour events, the Outlaw Tour, which I know you're now an expert on. I certainly uh, and, am. Yeah, and tied 16th last year at the RBC Heritage. 24th strokes gain off the tee, right? Another guy, he's hitting 67. I, I round up 67% of his fairways and just under 300 yards in his driving distance. He's 22nd in strokes gained approach. Although he, he doesn't necessarily hit a lot of greens, tells me that he's pretty aggressive with his iron play, which uh, on a golf course with small greens, many times you don't have a choice. So a guy comfortable going at flags. Um, I, I just, I, I think this guy is, is just really good and really underrated. Uh, and I, I'm going to ride the horse. So Joel Damon and Victor Hovland are my two plays in the 7,000. I, I don't mind that at all. There's a couple guys here just to kind of uh, point out. I mean, JT Poston, 7,500. Yep. He, uh, finished, uh, I think he was T10 last week. He had a sixth place finish here last year. He's kind of interesting. What do you, what are we going to do with guys like Ryan Palmer, 73 Harris English, 7,300. This is the dilemma where guys that were super popular last week, they, they, um, I don't know what the word I'm disappointed. I guess all of their owners, you've got a bunch of jaded owners who are not going to go back to those guys. Is that the right? Like, should, should we forgive and forget this week more than any other week? Oh man. Uh, You know, the interesting thing about Harris English is he's somewhat local, right? He's usually, he's down at sea Island in Georgia, right? right? He went to the university of Georgia. So you're, you're not far away. I, I, I don't know. I, this is a, this is a hard thing for me because it's especially hard for me because I'm one of the jaded owners. Yeah. <laughs> he was a guy that, uh, you know, Harris English, especially was a guy that really hurt one of my lineups that I think could have made me, um, uh, the kind of money that puts me on a beach somewhere, Hey-o. right? <laughs> you could park your yacht next to tigers. That's right. <laughs> changes my whole world. It changes the <laughs> backdrop. If we're uh, looking at this on video, I'll tell you that. So that was disappointing for sure. Um, that being said, I'm going to stay away because I think there's another guy in this range. Who, okay. And there's two. Brian Harmon was a guy that, that yes. pl- I, I was on last week and he played nicely. Yes, he did. I think it's another week where he's going to play really well. But Adam Hadwin's a guy that I think is way under underpriced. I like uh, that. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm definitely going with Adam Hadwin. It's a silky golf swing. And I think of Adam Hadwin winning the Valspar a couple of years ago. Uh, a Florida course with a lot of trouble around the sides, kind of smaller greens, and you kind of have to shake the ball around some trees out there. It's what you call, we talk about a ball striker's golf course all the time. 
this uh, and the Valspar, they're kind of shot makers golf courses where you have to work it into different hole locations. You have to kind of curve it around some trees. And I think it's going to bode really well for Adam Hadwin. I look for him to come out in great form. Uh, and I think he's a solid play this week. Um, funny story. I was on Toronto radio Friday night. I think it was. And they all, I know in advance, they always ask you about the Canadians. They always yeah. wanted and Corey Connors, I think was in the top 10 at that point, and, and Adam Hadwin had made the cut. And I, I made the point that if you combine those two guys, Corey Connors and Adam Hadwin be the greatest player on the face of the earth because Corey oh, Connors is awesome. Tita green and Adam Hadwin has got one of the best putters and they loved it. Greg. And I was like, yeah, yeah that's like the best, like the best call forever. <laughs> Oh, I think Adam, Adam Hadwin's a good, really good putter. I agree with you, but I I think that his iron play is spectacular. That golf swing is so good when, when he is feeling it. I mean, he's, look, the guy shot 59 in a PGA tour event. So below that, we'll jump into the six thousands and Greg, it ain't pretty. Uh, A lot of names I don't like down here, but there is one guy I can make a little bit of an argument for, and it's $6,600. Brian Stewart. Now you might've missed this because uh, you might've been still asleep by the time he finished this round, but he goes out Sunday morning at colonial by himself. Cause there was an odd number that made the, made the cut goes out and shoots the round of the day, 64 with a bogey on 18. Now, obviously there's no pressure. There's prime conditions early in the morning, but we talk so much about can, can someone find something? Can they find something in a round like that? And then you get an opportunity, Greg, to go to a place where I'll tell you what, Brian Stewart is only live at like three courses a year, three courses a year. He's live at, this is one of them. He finished 16th last year and he hasn't missed a cut in at least his last four trips. So if you're super desperate down at like the $6,600 range, I don't hate this. I don't hate it either. I like that pick. Um, but I got, I got a question because I'm looking through this list and there's always a guy down here that stands out to me. There, there always seems to be one and one guy's probably going to pop up. And this is a guy we talk about every week in some degree, maybe just to mention, maybe we really talk about him. Uh, Lanto Griffin. Yeah. 65. Um, Man, that's a low price for him. And he had a really bad week last week, but he's a really good player. Are you thinking we're jumping the gun a little bit on Lonto? The price has gone down too far, too fast, or where are you with him? So this is this is the perfect example, Greg, of one tournament sample being worse than zero. Yeah, because I have been a big. I've used Lonto almost all the time, every week. I mean, he's just always yeah. underpriced. He was a top 20 machine for a really, really long time. He never gets over $7,000, but to see what he did last week, and it was really only the first round. I think he was like seven or eight over in round number one. Yeah. Played a little bit better on Friday, obviously not good enough, but sometimes, I mean, listen, it, when you're out of it on Thursday, you're not really necessarily putting your, your full attention into that, into that Friday round. So I would argue if you want to be smart and sharp about this, you should probably consider Lonto Griffin because even though you look at last week, you compare him to the other 66, 65, $6,400 guys, I do think he stands above. So I, I, this is a really, this is a mental thing you have to get over with yourself. Just seeing what you just saw and, and kind of doing the men in black, you know, laser, forget about it. Right. I mean, this is a, a uh, classic 
buy low, sell high move. This is when you buy low. You have a round, a, a guy comes out in a round. And I, I'm always looking for these kind of things, right? Easily explainable. There's one kind of event that explains a success or a failure. And what's the likelihood of it getting back to normal right after that? For instance, Justin Rose changes equipment, right? Falls yep. from number one in the world to number 14, changes back. Okay, there's, there's like a very clear reason why he started to suffer. And when he, when he fixes that, well, there's a very clear reason why he's going to do well when he comes back. With Alonto Griffin, you're talking about the first round back after a long layoff with a lot of pressure. Guys are wound up. It's a unique situation without spectators being there. It's one you can kind of explain away. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him. Uh, he's definitely going to get a couple units for me. I'm, I'm going to get him in a couple lineups here for yeah. sure. I think I have to um, put my money where my mouth is too and kind of just go Yeah. Around. Right. I mean, he's been your horse all year long. Right. Keep, keep going with him. Don't let that one round get you. But I have one other guy that I want to point sure. out. In range. He's a little higher priced. Okay. Uh, Chess and Hadley. And yeah. I love the makeup of his game. I think he's a guy who, again, he played pretty well last week, right? He tied 23rd last week. Um, all four rounds were par or better. 70, 68, 64, 70, which I, I definitely like. This is a kid who... I think is a really talented player who's had a couple of off years uh, and, and he's an excellent iron player, which is important this week. So 35th stroke gain approach to the green hits a ton of greens of regulation, uh, 70.91%. Uh, it makes a lot of birdies, 23rd and birdie average. Great iron play will do that for you. And the thing I, I had a chance to speak with Chesson during the break and he was working on a short game. His short game was the thing he was really grinding on, yeah. really trying to improve on. And it's an area of weakness. So I, I don't think it's hard to figure out that guys are going to work on the thing that they suffer with. But he he went through this whole analysis on how a short game was something that was letting him down. He was putting all this time into it. Uh, and it was something that he felt like if he sharpened up that short game just a little bit, he, he would really improve in his results. So I see that. I know short game is going to be an important aspect last week. And now he comes out with a top, a top 25 finish. And I'm thinking Chesson is a great play. Another kind of somewhat local kid. I, I think Chesson's definitely going to make it on some of my teams. You could argue. So a couple things. Um, he was he was by himself on Saturday and shot a 64. The two guys who were played by themselves on the weekend went 64-64. That's pretty good. And it's out. really by yourself, right? Really by yourself. Yeah, like no fans, no no, uh, no playing partner, no marker. I, was, I, I don't, I didn't see the time. They might've, might've played it in like sub two hours, Kevin Noss style, but um, yeah. So it's, so most weeks, Greg, most weeks, I, if you were like, Hey, I like this guys around the green game. I'd be like, Greg, if they're using that, you're not winning anything it's a problem. It's a problem, right? If this guy's getting up and down every hole, you're not winning anything, but 3,700 square feet, uh, Greens on average, second smallest on tour. I think Pebble's the only one that are smaller. I don't mind it. Like, there's going to be a lot of missed greens. These greens yeah. are hard to hit. Like, so yeah. I, I, I think that, yes, he showed something. He had a pretty good finish here a couple of years ago as well. Uh, I, I want to say it was a tied seventh or something. Two, two years ago. Yes, it was. Um, so I, I don't mind that. Here is one final flyer before I get your final thoughts here, Greg. Dead men. Ted Potter Jr., $6,000. Ted Potter Jr., 
uh, actually outdueled Dustin Johnson at Pebble Beach one year. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I'll never forget it. I it was right at the heat of this distance debate that was going on, and yeah. I was like, "This is this is golf. This is why golf is so beautiful." Because Ted Potter can beat Dustin Johnson at Pebble Beach. It has not been pretty for Ted Potter Jr. Let's let's face the facts. He's made three of his last twelve cuts. Uh, the one that he did make was two starts ago, Puerto Rico Open. He finished sixth there, obviously a much weaker field, but two straight made cuts, apologies, here at Harbor Town, including a 16th place finish. I mean, the dead men is reserved for guys that are like barely in the field. So like if you have a lineup that you absolutely love and you've got $6,000 left over, I, 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 would, I would have like one out of 50 lineups with Ted Potter Jr. in it. Oh. <laughs> Man, can you win money with a miscut? Like, like, can you can you win with a miscut in there? So, if if you roster if you roster uh, Ted Potter Jr. and you you could probably have your pick of everybody else in the eights and nines, and what and you could get four guys in the top ten or four like. I don't know. I yeah, I wasn't, my head wasn't there. I'm going to, I'm going to play around with a couple lineups and see what you can do. Cause it, it's in, it is interesting. I mean, if you're going to choose Ted Potter on a golf course, this is the type to do it. Right. Uh, and it additionally, it's not like this guy is a bad golfer, right? That's a, it's a very important. We think, okay, $6,000. He misses all these cuts. He's no good. He stinks, but do a little research on Ted Potter and his mini tour success yeah. because he has like these remarkable records on the mini tour. Now that does probably mean that he has a hard time keeping his card or had a hard time getting his card point being the guy's really good and could shoot really low numbers. So yeah. look, he, he goes out and shoots a 65 on, on Thursday or Friday. It could happen. I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, mini tours require you to make birdies. Pet, Ted, Ted Potter Jr. can make birdies, my friend. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, honestly, 6,000 bucks. He makes the cut. I don't really care what else he does. Take a chance. Uh, Greg, it is RBC Heritage Week. This is going to be fun. This is a very unique event. You do not get a plaid jacket for winning. You get a tartan jacket. Tartan? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Which, don't be confused. It'll look exactly like uh, the winner last week at colonial but they will tell you it is entirely different right it's like 13 strands different or something right uh (laughs) i'll be interested to see if the winner matches as well as daniel berger matched last week he looks good in that jacket he certainly did um reminder golf will be back on the airwaves this weekend on cbs we'll have another preview pod coming your way with the whole gang where we'll go through our matchups. We're going to try to take down Mark Immelman, take that matchup title from him. We'll do some more outrights and a little prop action sprinkled in there as well. And, of course, daily recaps, Greg. Always good to uh, decompress after our rounds, get everything that we've had built up for the last eight or nine hours in our brains, get it out into the airwaves for the, for the listening public, huh? I can't wait. I, mean, I, I do enjoy the uh, kind of the lightning recaps out there. It's always fun to go back and like take a look at what we thought. All the players that we said, hey, you should play him today. Play, play this guy. Like, take a chance on Ted Potter. I'm excited <laughs> to see what Ted Potter does in round one. Uh, it, it adds an element of excitement to me in the viewing experiment. Now I have, uh, I, you got a little skin in the game with this player and this player. Let's see how they do. And then, and then getting to break it down, you kind of hold yourself honest, which I really enjoy. Ted Potter's going to shoot in thursday 80 and i'm gonna have to scrub this from the internet but we'll see (laughs) um all right that'll do it this episode of the first cut let me thank greg ducharme you can find him on twitter at the real gfd i'm rick game and you can find me on twitter at rick run good 
episodes coming at you every single day. Keep up to date on your feed and we will talk to you next time.